Hello. Hello. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Oh, I'm doing so good. How's everything going yeah. way up there? Oh, you know, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Everyone says so. Yeah, it it, it really is. It really is. Mm-hmm. Ah, I'm, I'm still waking up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. No, Wake but I up. feel good. I feel good. Yeah. I'm like bull. <laughs> yep, I saw a lady that does impressions of people uh, from The Crown, and that and that uh, that woke me up. Yeah, she's really good. Have you seen this lady that does impressions of people from The Crown? Uh no, I haven't. I have not seen that. It's a lady that does impressions of people from the on, Crown. on really like good. YouTube or something like that. No, no, no. I saw it on Twitter, but I think it was originally published to TikTok. TikTok. Oh, I see. Yeah, TikTok. I, it's a I'm, video. It's a different video uh, platform. I'm a little confused by TikTok because I don't What's have that, it. Dan? But I mm-hmm. see a lot of the content that's there. And it seems, not that this is a bad thing, but it seems mm-hmm. like um, it's mostly young young women dancing. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I think, Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's probably a little bit like going into a library and saying, why are all these books about maps? And you say, well, that's just because you're in the maps section. Well, well, that's all that I see retweeted onto Twitter, though. Would I, you like I, TikTok better if it were just maps, if it was just cartographers? Yeah, I'd be pretty into that. My kid brings me a lot of TikToks, um, and regrettably, they require so much explanation and context and layers and layers and layers of contextual explanation that I, I'm... I'm, I feel even more lost as the explanation goes on, which, yeah. I, you know, I, I've always heard about this happening to old people who are parents, but I never thought it would happen to me. You know, <laughs> I, I used to be the explainer. That was me. Yeah. No, now you've got to get explained everything you explained to. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes it's interesting, but, uh, but most of the time it's not, you know, usually like, oh, there's this guy, there's like Bucky and Bluey or these two guys who stream Minecraft on Twitch and they have a fake fight. And so this is a meme about that you know, except that like it's upside down and there's a label on it and then somebody's making a face and, you know, something like that. And then like, it's about another Twitch streamer. And I'm like, I, I don't understand why Twitch, I kind of understand why Twitch exists. I watched, I've, I've watched Twitch, I think almost three times now. So I understand that that exists. I understand that TikTok exists and I, I you know, Hakuna Matata, you got to keep things moving, you know? Bob, Bob Dylan used to say, uh, he who's not busy uh, being born is busy dying. You better get busy living or get busy dying. Or, well, you know, work hard or, uh, what is it? What is it? Die hard, work hard or die trying, girl? You know? Yes. You know. Now, speaking of die hard, is that one of your Christmas movies? Do you guys have Christmas time movies that you like to watch? Like, I'm going to answer this question. Um, I'm not going to answer it in the way that you're trying to lead me to answer it, which is, is die hard a Christmas movie? I don't care. We do watch uh, die hard on Christmas Eve. I think it's an important So movie. the answer is kind of. Yeah. I don't know if that's a coincidence, but for something like the last three years, we do watch. You know, it's funny. There are certain kinds of things that we watch at uh, certain times of year without respect to like whether it's relevant to the holiday. Like for some reason, we also end up watching, and this might be because of Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, but we usually end up watching a few episodes of M- MST3K um, around Christmas time also. We watched, we watched Manos the other night. Manos. Once again, Manos, the hands of fate. And uh and we watched a little bit of Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. And um and then what's the one with the with that guy with the big head? What's what's his name? McGillicuddy, Brewster, um uh, um uh, 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 Misdirection. What's that guy's name? You know the one I'm talking about with the guy with the big head? No, I do not. I think it's Earl Holloman. It's the guy from Police Woman, I believe. 
I don't know the name of the movie, but I remember his name. M-S-T-3-K Earl. <laughs> Hello? Okay. Oh, you muted. You I think muted. I might... You know what it did? Uh, Skype, believe it or not. Skype stole my capture. I don't like that. Capture my, capture my, my focus? It broke my save, I think it's called. Hang on. Um, M-S-T-3-K Earl Holloman. Um, oh, come on. What is the name of that? It'll come back to me. Dan, what do you, what do you like to watch on TV this time of year? You know, my, um, my kids are not very interested in like a Christmas story, uh, with the Ralphie. They don't, you know, like we watch it, but they don't get into it. And that was a movie that Mm -hmm. I always, always, always watched, uh, like I can't remember not watching that. And then I always really, really like, if I want to get all, you know, sentimental and sad, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a wonderful life. It's a great, great one. But Die Hard seems to be the one that at least my son really likes these days. It helps that that's um, an unimpeachably great movie. It's a good film. It helps. Part of the problem though is that, and this is, I don't know if there's a name for this phenomenon, but it's a little bit like watching what? It's like watching Blade Runner or Citizen Kane. Right. Where it's something you've seen, on the one hand, copied a million times, on the other hand, riffed on so many times. It's difficult to go back and appreciate it in the context of the time. But like, you know, because everybody does die hard. There was a time where, probably contemporaneous with uh, XYZ on acid, mm-hmm. there was the XY, die, die hard with an XYZ, right? It's right. die hard on a bus. It's yeah. die hard on a plane. It's, you know, what I mean... It was such a, um, I don't know if saying it's the first action movie or something. That was the podcast serial. But, um, but uh, it's hard to go back. Um, I don't love the thing that I'm about to say, but I, okay. I have to candidly say I do think this is true. Um, which is that the number of options that people have for things, um, I do think things need to grab a new viewer so quickly now. And they need, need to hold their attention. And the way it didn't used to sort of have to. So like last night, what was I? Oh, I ended up watching the Errol Flynn movie. I'm on an Errol Flynn kick right now. Oh. <laughs> um, and I was watching The Adventures of Robin Hood, which I think is- Great. A, again, a, such a great movie. Unimpeachable, um, as you say. Unimpeachably great. They tried to impeach him, but they couldn't. Couldn't take the fascist down and don't touch Howard's food. It's a really good movie. Um, and I was just thinking about last night and I had no trouble at all just sitting there and watching it. Um. But, you know, compare what we've got available to us. Let's just say even with one streaming account, let's say you got, you got Disney or you got Apple, you got Hulu, you got Netflix, you got any of those things. Compared to like Netflix with like, we used to have, I think the, I guess the three DVD program where you could have up to three out at a time. And like, you know, that was having a DVD delivered to your house. Like, you know, it worked pretty great. Like it comes up from uh, down on the peninsula and it was here real quick and we'd watch it. And, but like, you don't have endless options. When you go to Blockbuster and bring home, and this is not a value judgment. This is not anything. It's just, I think it's partially just an explanation for why our interest and our attention spans have gone up. If you got something that had a really cool looking cover at Blockbuster and brought it home, like let's say you really liked Scanners and then you saw a movie that looked like Scanners. Well, Scanners is a good movie, but just barely. Mm. And if you accidentally got like a Scanners knockoff that's even more Canadian and you brought that home, well, guess what, Jack? You're stuck. You got that till Monday. You're going to watch whatever that is. It doesn't matter if it's good or it's bad or it's whatever. Ditto for buying a record in the 70s and 80s. And again, not not a value judgment, but I do think that has an impact. 
Like if you can be listening to any song that's ever been released on your 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 headphones whilst watching any movie that's in available, you could have. You know what I mean? Your <laughs> every song that's ever been released is going to be drawing your attention this way. Yeah. You know every um, every movie and TV show that's ever been available, mostly asterisk, is available over here. I do think that changes the way you approach it. Again, back to the idea of a library. If you're at your, in my case, in Pasco County, Florida, if you're at the branch sub-library outpost, which might as well be the place they lived at in the thing, like it's got six library, it's got six <laughs> books, two of them are Leon Norris's Exodus, two of them are books about how to make vests and hats out of pop tops, and then, and then one that's damaged. We don't know, I can't read the cover. You're going to pick, you're going to make a pop top hat. <laughs> pop top hat. Pop top hat. A pop top hat. Pop top hat. Pop top hat. Versus going to, like, for example, the library on Larkin Street here in San Francisco, which is huge and endless. And they're all free. Can't take them all home. But you can go look at whatever you want. I do think that changes the, you know what I'm saying, though? I think it changes the way it's, it's, and I just, I cannot be clearer about this, that I'm not saying this is, this means young people are dumb and old people are smart. I'm very much not saying that. You're thinking um, it, you're just not saying it, or you're not... Not saying it. No. I'm not saying it, I'm barely thinking it. Right. No, no, no. But I do think that has an impact on it. It happens to me all the time. This is something Tim Goodman used to talk about all the time. The retired TV critic who did that uh, wonderful show with Jason Snell that I still miss every Friday afternoon, TV Talk Machine. And he said, look, you know, here's the truth. I don't love this, but this is true. Like, you don't have, <laughs> you don't have two seasons, let alone two episodes to catch me and, like, get me excited about this. Like, there's 400 TV shows. Like, I, I can't spend a season waiting for your show to understand what it is. And I was thinking about that last night because my kid was like, hey, let's go back and watch AD from the beginning. So we were watching Arrested Development, S1E1. We watched like three episodes of that last night. Man, that show just comes straight out of the gate. It's still so good. It's still so funny. So many memes, so many quotable lines. Yeah, but where'd the lighter fluid come from? <laughs> You know, that's what I was expecting. There are, it's, but like that, that show came right out of the gate, being just about perfect. I was going to say there are very, very few shows. Like there are so many shows that I can think of where I might have watched. There might have been hype around it. And I'm like, oh, it's a new show, whatever. I'll watch the first episode, and you watch the first episode, and you're like, you know, like I feel like I should be pretty excited about it because it's like this new show that's being so heavily promoted. But I don't really know if I liked it. And then there's mm -hmm. other shows like you're describing where, right, like, okay, here's a perfect example. And I was just talking to a friend yesterday about this, is the show Peaky Blinders. Now, this mm -hmm. may or may not be your cup of tea. It's it's kind of a cool crime drama period piece with some gore and gross stuff in it. But I really, really, really enjoyed Peaky Blinders. And I, I, I heard knew, good things, yeah. But I tried to start watching Peaky Blinders at least three different times where I would start the first episode and I would watch it. I would get to a point and something about it. I'd be like, I don't really like it or it doesn't seem that interesting. I don't give a crap about any of the characters or whatever. And then I would hear more people saying, Oh, it's great. It's the best show ever. You got to just put in the time and watch a few more episodes. And I'd say, all right. And I think I took me somewhere between three and the first three to five episodes before I even felt like it was worth watching. But after or sometimes that, you just have to like be in the right mood and start from the beginning all over again each time. Right. right? But I I, mean, once I pushed yeah. through it, it yeah, was sure. so rewarding and such a great show. I'm not show. saying that doesn't exist. I mean, there are many, many examples of shows, long running beloved TV series that uh, don't start great or that start great and then don't, you know, The Office, 
is certainly turns into a different show pretty quickly, Parks and Rec. Um, there's a lot of shows like that. Um, so I'm not saying that doesn't exist. I'm not saying there's not shows where that's not worthwhile, but like we have so many options, like a show like Grey's Anatomy. I'm not sure how my family got into Grey's Anatomy, but it was only in the last, it's during pandemic that we started getting into it. And, um, but that's a show like I, with, with much respect to, to Shonda and the team, that's not the kind of show where I'm going to turn off the lights and focus hundred percent of my attention on the show. That's a show that just kind of runs a little bit in the background. And then you see some blood and you go, ooh, ugh. And then like you watch a little bit and then you wrap, wrap some presents or whatever, right? Um, but uh, but what's also funny though, I, um, it's funny, I have different buddies that I talk to, my like TV and media buddies that I'll talk to about something. And like a um, uh, friend of the show, a friend of Roderick on the line, Jason Finn, he and I just go back and forth all the time about these things we love. Like Ted Lasso. And I just got him, I'm hopefully getting him into Blank Check podcast. I think it's, that has taken with him. But also the other big one is Letterkenny. A lot of people, a lot of my pals will be like, oh my God, did you see Letterkenny? And I'm like, no, I haven't seen it yet. Letterkenny is one of my favorite shows on TV, but I really have to be in the right mood for it. That doesn't mean I like it any less, but I do really have to be in the right mood for it. Godfather 2 is my favorite movie. I don't want to watch it every night. Right. You know what I mean? The, the first album by The Pretenders, I love the first album by The Pretenders so much, I'm not, I'm not allowed to listen to it more than twice a year. Because it has to stay oh, pristine and special. I, I know exactly what you're talking about when you say that. Sometimes I'll hear a song or an album or something like that, or even a movie, and I'll say, you know what? I really want to watch it again, but I can't because I don't want to lose that magic feeling yeah. that it has when you're, you almost feel like, you know, there's so many series and shows and movies and music that I'm like, I wish I could hear this for the first time again. And when you find yeah, something absolutely. really good, like your inclination is to want to play it over and over and over. And you know yeah. that if you do that, you'll just burn out on it. Absolutely. Well, like there's, I, I, I think it's fair to say, I'm probably forgetting somebody and I make these kind of really deeply unnecessary superlatives all the time. But in the same way that Bob O'Reilly by The Who and Stand and Deliver by Adam and the Ants were side by side, my two favorite songs for probably five years. I can. I feel like I can pretty honestly say that Sloan, the uh, Canadian band Sloan, was my favorite band for probably at least three or four years, and including you know two flights to Canada to see them play um, back before we had a kid. But I have to be really honest. Like I do need break. A I need breaks from Sloan because I, I, I'm my returns to Sloan get shorter and shorter each time. It's not that they're not as good. It's just that I'm not loving it like I did in 2001 or two. But also the, the, the length of time of each return to Sloan is shorter. And like, I feel like I get a little bit less out of it just because, I mean, it's not the most substantial music in the world, but like, that's, that's part of the thing. It's like, if you have the last the, <laughs> title, if you have the last bottle of perfume that was ever produced of this particular smell, you're not going to just leave it open in the bathroom. Like you have to keep that capped so that you only access it occasionally. And then really, ultimately, this is kind of how memory works. I mean, if you keep revisiting, like I had the craziest goddamn dream last night. Oh my God, I didn't get very, I, I slept okay, but I didn't sleep super well, but I had this, one of those endless dreams, like one step forward, two steps back, I hate like that. endless, I can't do the thing dream. And it was in New Zealand. Um, it was cool though, because I was hanging out with um, Maria Bamford and she was a hoot. And, um, and so we were at a restaurant and then I had to go to a lesbian festival, whatever that is. But I guess it's a New Zealand thing. We, she and I went to this lesbian festival. And then but the problem was I couldn't get out the front door and the side door was locked. So I had to go back. And now I'm back on the other side of the river. 
You know what I'm saying? Ta- yeah, no, I exactly that, that, what you mean. You know what I'm talking about? That mm-hmm, kind of dream? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was you, but it wasn't you. It was my house, but it wasn't my house. Shut up. You know, ugh, media gives us so much joy. Mandalorian, that's another one. My goodness. Let talk oh to me God. talk to me about that because I have sort of been saving that. Mm. Um, is it you know, because I really when I people have told me that it's really, really great and I've suffered from the same uh problem. Yeah, you, you get sick of people telling you, go watch this thing, everybody demands you watch. You know, I don't have a problem so much <laughs> with that, but like for me, like I don't know what's I kind of burnt out on Star Wars, all the new movies mm-hmm. that came out, all of the new everything, everyone talking about it, new generations of people discovering it. And I'm like, you know, that's great. But some of the content, some of the films and some of the content of the films I didn't like and I felt like it was forced and like they were almost doing it because, well, we've got to keep up with the Avengers. So we're going to pump pump out the product. Yeah. And uh, but it sounds like Mandalorian's different from that. I don't know. I mean, I I, in the same way that you one, not necessarily you, one is resistant to being constantly told that one must go watch a TV show or a movie. Um, I also, I don't want to always be in the position of having to be the final person to talk somebody into watching a thing they don't want to watch. I don't want that job. But here's what I will say. I was, I'll tell you my, my God's honest truth, which is the same thing I've said over and over, which is that it's, it's pretty much everything I like about Star Wars. It includes all the stuff I love about Star Wars while leaving out all the things I really don't like about Star Wars. Inclusive. So, you know, in, in the way, I mean, I don't know if you ever watched like Clone Wars, but like when Clone Wars came along... You turn on Clone Wars and like from the credits, you're like, whoa, this is cool. Like this is really interesting and more than just like a dumb, you know, like a C-3PO vehicle. Mm-hmm. Like this is a, this is a, this is very well done. Well, that's the guy who alongside John Favreau, the guy who does Clone Wars is, this is the guy who does Mandalorian alongside Favreau and a bunch of other real talented people. Um, so my one pitch, just if I were pitching this and I'm kind of not, but same way I've kind of stopped pitching Ted Lasso. Like if you can't be talking to Ted Lasso, you do not deserve Ted Lasso. <laughs> it's, you know, you will enjoy it someday or you won't. And I, I, I but over here now I'm going to be, it's like you're over here being grumpy that you don't want to watch Ted Lasso and I'm a better human being. So, you know, um, <laughs> but uh, with that said, no, I'm just, I'm just tired of people going, man, Ted Lasso, man. It's like, okay, fine. Well, whatever. Like you, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you about this cause I'm tricking you. I'm trying to trick you into a show. <laughs> Whose later episodes may transform your modern life. Yeah, I'm doing that. I'm gaslighting you. Um, so Star Wars, one hand. Yes, there's that. Uh, now, another thing that there was uh, something that's been brought to my uh, attention by a friend of the show, John Syracuse. Worst friend of the show, John Syracuse. He, I think it was he who made the point that, you know, when you get into these things where you take something like, uh, I don't even love that term franchise, but, you know, people who grew up feeling the magic of Star Wars, in my case, the week it came out, my my best friend's uncle took the two of us to see Star Wars. I think it was probably the first week of June, 77. Didn't have any idea what I was in for. And like, f- obviously, from the jump, it's all I thought about, mostly. Like, that that and uh, Melissa, the girl across the street, is really all I thought about for two years. With a little bit of Fonzie. But that's pretty much all I thought about for two years after Star Wars. That's all I was interested in. And um, that feeling, though, right? That feeling where by the end, in that admittedly very cheesy shot where Chewie doesn't get his medal. The shot where they turn around and they face everybody in the big room, you know, like all the music plays right at the end. Yeah. And then it goes, you know, like you, you know that you can feel that and you're, I feel it in my neck right now. And that fast music starts at the end directed by George Lucas or whatever. Um, like there's a whole generation of people now who've grown up on that. Yeah. And the people, it's not Irving, 
Irving Kirshner? It's not, it's not, you know, or, or Rick, what's it said? Like, it's not the people who made the original Star Wars, although they were very talented people. Um, now it's the whole generation of people who grew up on that and have their own POV, their own take on what it is that they loved about it. And the skills and language, more than language, the de- sort of almost like design language, like mm-hmm. they, they are so steeped in Star Wars in one form or another that they're and somebody's like Dave, I think his name's Dave Filoni, somebody like Jean Favreau, are, are uniquely suited, or Taika Waititi, are like uniquely suited to articulating the thing that was cool about this. Hmm. And with Taika Waititi, like, what doesn't he do like that? Edgar Wright, what doesn't he do like that? And it's not all dudes, but like everything, like Taika Waititi, almost everything he touches is just like, how did you pull that off? What we do in the shadows? You've got to be kidding me. How did you make such a stupid idea that hilarious um something like jojo rabbit like one of my favorite movies of probably the last five years how did you do that how'd you make a hitler book a book about a kid who thinks he's friends with hitler how did you make that fun and funny and so crushing and sweet or like in the case of again taika watiti with say thor ragnarok i mean there's a handful of movies you get the big hitters you get something like um, you get something like a black panther but then you've also got stuff like guardians guardians of the galaxy You've got stuff like, you know what I'm saying? In all these cases, or then you get somebody comes up with something like, like Legion. It's like, in all those cases, it's like, oh man, I don't know you. You don't know me, but we seem to really share some DNA about, on the one hand, what made this one thing cool? And then on the other hand, like what can be done with that? When you see like Professor X, you know, Wolverine taking care, Logan, taking care of uh, Professor X Mm -hmm. as he's losing his mind in the tank. And then X-23 comes along, Laura comes along, and you're like, oh my God, what is this magic? Why does that man have a robot hand? Why, why, is, why is Augie from the office so white? What, what's up with Caliban? You know what I'm saying? And all of those, you're like, oh, I instantly get this. When you see Wolverine getting his ass kicked outside the limo, and you're like, what is happening? Right? In all those cases, that's so, to, to just follow, follow through here, um, why I'm making the pitch this time for Mandalorian, I mean, you know, you like it or you don't. But it's it is it is super in- intriguing. It's got a, a lot of amazing choices uh, for story and for cast. And yes, as, as I retweeted today on the internet, it is funny how it's basically just one side. Uh, what do they call it? A side quest, like after side quest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it really super works in a way that is uh, really improbable. And then the the second season really goes to some surprising places, and they've earned so much cred by the last three or four, three, four, five episodes, well, let's say the last four episodes or so of season two, they've earned so much credibility in the way they've told that story that they can do things that if you, if I'd seen that on a whiteboard, if you told me what happens in the last few episodes of season two of The Mandalorian, I would have been like, forget it. I'm not even gonna start this show. That's so lame. You know, like it's, it's, it's it, on the whiteboard, it sounds very, you know, poochy, mm-hmm. but it's, um, I think it's real good. So like, like when, when I'm, so final thing on this, I, I, I think, um, like, you know, just the lightness of uh, Star Wars, the first Star Wars movie, the lightness of like, think about, close your eyes and imagine the moment they're playing the game. He's playing the game with C-3PO mm-hmm. on the Fal- Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. And then he says, you know, the Wookiees, uh, you know, rip people's arms off when they lose. And, and Peter Mayhew puts his hands behind his head and leans back. Do you remember your feeling when you saw that? And you're like, oh my God, that was, that was so funny. <laughs> yes. He's really pleased that Han Solo just scared a robot. Mm-hmm. And, and like, or, you know, 
Just like the the way, like, you know, or the famous lines, I thought they smelled bad, you know, on the outside. Or like, you know, when they, I don't care what it smells like, jump into that hole, like we're going into the trash compactor. You know, or just like the, the like, like uh, Peter Cushing, you know, you know, um, well, I forget the exact phrase, but they're about to, you know, shoot at Alderaan, like, well, leave now in our moment of triumph. Like, all of that stuff, that's all the stuff I love. And then to just go there for a minute, and again, I cannot say this enough, go back, listen to Blank Check Podcast from the beginning. That's all I'm going to say to you people. Go listen to Blank Check Podcast back when it was called The Phantom Podcast. Please play with me in this space. Go back. Because what they do as they walk through The Phantom Menace in, I think, eight, eight episodes about different aspects of The Phantom Menace, the only Star Wars movie ever made, um, <laughs> you, you're, you're transported back in a way that's crushing. Because everybody remembers the hype. There's a band called Ultimate Fake Book that wrote a song, I think it's called, uh, I forget what it's called, I would say Galaxy Far, Far Away. Mm. And the chorus starts like this. <clears throat> George Lucas is the force. Help us, you know, save us from heartbreak in 1998. People were writing songs about an unreleased <laughs> Star Wars movie. So much was the excitement. And you hear Dan Warren talk about it. That's a fella, like, he could, he's, he's going to be probably doing, like, Duel of the Fates, singing that in his sleep for the rest of his life. He saw it three times before he realized how bad it was. But you, because you needed it to be good. Mm -hmm. You need, and then, but then you go back and you're like the Metaclorians. And you go back and like, uh, sorry, Griffin Newman, you got Watto. You got the Jewish aliens, you know? There's the no, Jewish I mean, none of that was necessary. The Jewish slash Chinese, they can't decide whether they're being racist about Chinese people or Jewish people. So they do both. They do both. Then they get that hottie TC14 played by Lindsay Duncan. Arr. She's going to bring you some tea on that shiny platter, dirty girl. And that's, but a lot of that's the stuff I don't love. To look that one up. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know? TC-14. Illegal. He <laughs> <laughs> might as well be saying, automobile. <laughs> Mandalorian, check it out. <laughs> Dong. Dong. Right. Yeah. 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 Where's my automobile? Um... You had a topic you wanted to talk about, but I'm guessing first probably you want to tell us about something you like? I would like to tell you about feels, Merlin. Oh, feels, all the feels. Feels is wonderful. So feels, I'll tell you what it is. It is a premium CBD that is delivered directly to your doorstep. And as you know, Merlin, as we have talked about many, many times on this very program, the feels... And CBD in general is so, so, so beneficial. It helps you with, it helps you with stress. It helps you with anxiety. It can help with chronic pain. It can definitely help you if you have trouble sleeping. And many of us have these issues. I have many of these issues. And I started using CBD a while back because I heard that it helps you. It doesn't have side effects. It does, it's not addictive. You don't get high from it. I'm like, this seems too good to be true. Uh, but actually, the way that it works is really, really fascinating. The way that CBD, it, it's so different from, you know, people often think that it's it's like getting high. And I think the reason why is because you can get CBD in some states that has THC mixed into it. That's not what this is. And I want to be very, very clear about that. This does not get you high. This does not do anything except basically help you feel more calm and more focused and if you're experiencing things like stress or like I was mentioning, chronic pain, 
I found CBD is really, really great after you work out because it really helps your body recover. It helps deal with the soreness and stuff that you can experience. It's really, really good if you need help sleeping. It's so good for all of these things. And what Feels does that's a bit different is they make sure that the CBD that you're getting is really, really high quality. Every single bottle that you get, you can check where it came from. You can check the independent testing to make sure that it's a high quality. And you've heard me say it here, Merlin, you Dan, don't I'm want sorry, gas real station quick. CBD. When you, say, you say where it came from. I was going to ask, does it say... Did the feels come from a gas station? Please be honest. Yes, it's so, does so important not. you be honest it about does this. Not come You're telling from me the feels does not come from a gas station. If I go to a not. gas station, will I find the feels? You will, you will not. What about pork rinds? Will I find pork rinds? Yes, hopefully you will. Will I find feels? Not at a gas station. And that's the well, what's thing. The only is, way to, what's, the, what's the way to get the feels? How do you get the feels? You the feels. must mm-hmm. go to feels, F-E-A-L-S, feels.com slash back to work. And when you go there, you are going to see all of the different strengths and styles that they have. What you can do is you can get a little flight that they will send you different strengths of their CBD and you can try it and you can figure out which one you should use and how much you should use. It's so cool. What they have is a feels community and that delivers it to your door every month. Now, at first you might be like, well, I don't know if I want it delivered every month. I understand that, but... (laughs) Once you start using this and seeing the benefits, you will realize that it sucks when you don't have it. And this prevents that from happening. But what's really cool about it is you're going to save money on every order. You can pause it at any time. You can cancel it at any time. So this is something I actually really recommend. And this is what I do. I have it delivered and uh, and it, it just saves me from ever having to worry about it. So here's the special deal. You can become a member by going to feels.com slash back to work. You're going to get 50% off your first order and you will also get free shipping. So that's F-E-A-L-S, feels.com slash back to work. 50% automatically taken off your first order with the free shipping. I really recommend this. It's great. It's really helped me. And this is my CBD of choice. So go check it out. Thanks to Feels for making this show possible. Thanks, Feels. Buck, buck. I was just looking for that uh, an image of, uh, of of Chewbacca doing that thing. With his ha- hands behind his head? Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll see if I can find it. But I'm also seeing, you know, God, there's, there was, this is going to sound very, very odd for somebody who was not around however long ago that was, mm-hmm. a long time ago, mm-hmm. um, that um, especially through the first six months of Star Wars Mania, um, demand far outstrips supply for almost every aspect of Star Wars apart from uh, going to see it in the theater. Um, but like, you know, you would pick up a magazine and, you know, those magazines, like by and large, I think in 1977, a magazine would go into production pretty early and go like, oh, here's this, the guy from American Graffiti's putting out some goofy, you know, movie with the space dog. Like, okay, well, cool, we'll put some pictures in. And they're like these same like six pictures that you would see like over and over. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like usually like, yeah, there you go. Production stills, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this one image, Chewie on the left with his bow caster going, <laughs> and Han on the right pointing his blaster. Like that was, and then of course with that little sort of double lined round wrecked around it, that was sort of the Star Wars look for yes, the time. Yes, yes. Trading cards, posters, the, the, I mean, at one point Burger Chef, uh, I had all, all the posters you could get from Burger Chef. Um, and I had that on a shirt. I had my Star Wars shirt. It said Star Wars and had that picture of Chewbacca and Han Solo on it when I was 10, 11. And, uh, 
it's just I see that picture, and again, it's just it's so I'm I don't feel surpassingly proud of being able to access emotions about a space uh, western, being able to access those memories so readily, but they're right there, they're right on the surface. Chewbacca rules. Um, Dan, mm-hmm. uh, you, uh, you, you had something you wanted to talk about that sounded, sounded kind of interesting. Why don't you, why don't you, uh, spring it on your listeners? What do you want to talk about? Yeah, I definitely could do that. But before I do it, one thing I wanted to just Uh-oh. comment Uh-oh. about, about Uh-oh. Star Wars. Oh, you call an audible? Um, you call an audible on me? About <laughs> Star Wars. Because. Oh, I love Star Wars. I'm watching, you know, my, my son is now 13 years old, which means I can show him many, many, many more movies than I used to be able to show him. And mm-hmm. I, uh, I've so so some of these movies, like for example, we just watched Fargo, and Fargo the movie, the movie, not the not the TV show. Oh, such a good movie! And a true cut, they installed at the factory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I'm talking to my manager. And so I, um, you know, we, so we're watching this film, and I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> you know, there are so many movies. That when I think about them, I'm like, you know, like, really, this needs to be seen in a movie theater. And yet yeah. we're not seeing it in a movie theater. But then I thought oh, back right, sure. and I was thinking, you know what, though? So many of the movies that I'm sitting here saying this really needs to be seen in a movie theater are like my I've taken both of my kids. Oh, yes, that that card is amazing. I just sent Dan the trading card, which, you know, again, this is this is from the time even before the holiday special when some of the brand management was a little bit out of control. Yes. It's the trading card, the Star Wars trading card number 44, I believe. Han and Chewie shoot it out. It's so good. Oh my god. But like Oh, <clears throat> uh, you see the things you should see in the theater, but you can't now. Or yeah, and so like I would take him to the theater and we would see the movie in the theater. And he would have the same kind of reaction to seeing the movie uh, or a movie at home. And I'm wondering if today's generations oh, of kids yes, you're right. are, are right. immune to what I, I'm, I just called in my mind, the first time I'm, I'm saying it, the theater effect. Which, movie magic. The movie magic, which is, is, that just, magic, is it just lost yeah. now? Is that not a thing anymore? Because like I remember watching a movie, waiting for 8 o'clock to roll around on like Saturday mm-hmm. night, and like we would watch whatever movie was on HBO, the big premiere, Saturday night <laughs> premiere movie. Or like the Sunday, da 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 you know, yes. <laughs> the CBS special sound. <laughs> right, yeah, and, and but like feeling like, well, that's just, even though it might have been HBO or it might have been a... a a movie that was out that came in. I always was like, well, it's not as good if you're watching it on TV. It's not as good. If Certainly you're... not. But well, the I beauty wonders... of star on ironically, the beauty of star Wars being on HBO in the eighties was on the one hand, like you could watch it again without paying money for it. And right. B, you could tape it and watch it again. Yeah. My girlfriend's dad, the cop taped star Wars off of HBO. And that's how we could just watch star Wars when we wanted to in 1984. Yes. Yes. So anyway, I, I'm just I'm just yeah. not sure if if it still counts. Well, in a way. you know, with these kinds of things, Dan, I think sometimes it's useful. So I mean, this is, I'm going to say something really obvious, but I, I hope it's useful. Which is like when you're looking at you're looking at somebody. I'm trying to not make this about age because I don't think that's exactly the point, but I guess it kind of is. When you look at like a younger a younger generation, you look at someone younger than you, and you wonder why they're the way they are. 
So, so like in this case, I, I hope I'm not making a straw man out of what you're saying, but it happens to me all the time. I just described it a little while ago. I can't say to my kid, oh, you know, we used to, Netflix used to be plastic in an envelope, la, la, la. Like that was, the, how would I explain that? Who cares? Yeah. Stop explaining things, dad. You're not helping anybody. Right. You, you're, you're providing context for nothing. But like, I'm, and I'm like, of course, if, I, if it's not obvious, it's, it is she to whom I'm referring that can be listening to a Ricky Montgomery song for the millionth time here whilst not really watching what's happening uh, over here on the crown whilst also watching TikToks. Like that is a thing I'd heard about for years that is very much a thing. Um, so I look at that and I go, huh, you know, and, and my kid doesn't really let, like going to the movies. Like even in the last couple of years has not loved going to the movies. Mm. Not least because like you go downtown, hey, who wants to get off the, ter- the train at Powell Street Station? Not a fun scene right now. It's very Star Wars, but not in a good way. It's basically <laughs> if everybody from the Los Isaac Cantina stopped getting a check and moved into a hallway of the Death Star. Oh my God. Welcome to Muni. That's mm. what it's done. It's gross and it smells like tinkle. And then you go upstairs and the whole floor is sticky, like not in a good way. Um, there's that. And I think, hmm, why doesn't my kid like cinema magic like I do? Well, there's one reason right there, which is that like it's kind of creepy and not very fun. It's not like getting out of the station wagon at Northgate Mall in 1977 and, you know, walking into the theater yeah um so whenever i'm trying to understand that i do the 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 dumbest simplest most obvious thing in the world which is uh, so here's me in the middle because i'm the center of the universe yeah i'm here in the middle looking uh chronologically down at my kid which is probably meaningful and i go huh why, why are you that way well what is the best way for me to understand that how about i look chronologically up and think about the dumb crap that older people would say to me right so like it, Dan, is it a little bit like uh, an uncle or, or a grandmother saying, why don't you like seeing clowns at the circus uh-huh, like I do? Uh-huh, I'm uh-huh. like, what are you, 300 years old? Who would choose to see clowns at a circus? And you're lucky you haven't been abducted at that place. Horrifying. Oh my God. The kinds of things like I have a phosphate. Like, <laughs> like there's all like, I'll think about all that stuff. Like, ah, we used to sit around. We used to sit around and uh, grandmother would play the zither on Saturday evenings before we said prayers for six hours. And you're like, God, that must have sucked. And you're like, oh no, it's my most precious memory. We would throw lingonberries at each other and then make them into a simple wine and sell them to charities. And you're like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Why don't you do normal things? Why don't you play, you know... Why don't you play like, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Coleco uh, video games? Why don't you play in television? Right. And we didn't have a television, let alone an intelligent one. Like, oh, God, you suck. You're so old and lame. Why are you talking to me? Just let me go do a thing. That's that's my fastest road to at least, if not the exact contextual same thing, at least the feeling of somebody like a dad going, I used to love going to the movies. Because, you know, another thing kids love is being told what they love. Or what they used to love. What their parents used right? to love, yeah. No, no, no. Well, like, whenever you're trying, like, I, I, I have discovered uh, through experience that, like, one of the least effective, let's just say it, one of the dumbest things a parent can do, you know, when a kid is experiencing emotions, as we like to say, or is going through a time. Yeah. And, you know, your kid says something completely bananas, like... You know, um, I refuse to eat pork anywhere that someone has worn a hat <laughs> or whatever. Like the kids come up with these incredibly strange, I don't know if yours do this, but like these really weird arbitrary decisions that have are utterly, utterly unmoored from reality. I will no longer eat proteins with pasta. What? What does that mean? I never liked it. I was lying to you the whole time. Oh, okay. So how do you respond to your kid being insane? You say to them, but you love pasta. 
So basically, you're saying your kid just said something bananas, and then you call them a liar. Right. And oddly enough, that does not make the situation better. Don't tell people what they are and aren't. Just go, huh, okay, that's new information. I didn't know that. Of course, they're, they're just saying things. You know, this is the, this is the human mind. We have to find, we, we start with a strong emotion, and then we find reasoning to attach to it. And sometimes it's pasta and, and proteins that have to go. I don't know. I miss going to the movies, but, and I, I think uh, while we put on our prognosticator hat, which is not an attractive hat, I think the convention, the, the emerging wisdom is that whatever will survive of the cinema, um, the, the going to movies in public industries, mm-hmm. it's difficult to imagine. <laughs> this, I don't mean this the way that sound the way it sounds, but like the totally crap experience of going to the movies, of paying. 10 plus dollars to go to the movies and have a terrible time with not that great equipment and projectionists who don't know what they're doing and like they forgot to reset the the screen for this aspect ratio yeah. and God bless Maria Menounos and her 45 minutes of Microsoft commercials mm-hmm. and find out what influencers are doing on YouTube while you sit in this theater that's by turns deafening and silent. Um, that that <laughs> crap experience of going to the movies <laughs> You just the, need to go I, to the Alamo to, more. I know you've had well, issues here's at the, the Alamo here's too. The, that's <laughs> you're, you're way ahead of me. What I was going to say was, I was about to describe that as like the commodity, like what they used to call it, tourist class experience of movies. But it's not even that cheap, right? Yeah. Now, what will survive? Well, I think what will survive, I think, I think there's a world in which what survives, I think Alamo might, well, I think the floor might be the return of the dollar movie, maybe. Mm. just to get asses in the seats. But I would imagine that whereas right now, to me, Alamo represents like the 80th percentile of movie-going experience. Mm-hmm. Apparently there's even fancier ones you can go to, like in LA. Yeah, we've but, got a fancy one here called iPick. Yeah, I think that's the one. I heard, uh, I want to say, Felix Salmon, one of the Slate dudes talking about this, the the super high-end one where mm-hmm. you get like basically your own banquette um, or whatever. Anyway, um, but like, I have a feeling, it brings me no joy to say this, that I think, I think Alamo is going to just become like, when we go to the movie three times a year for that experience, like we were talking last night about, we were watching um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse the other day. And remember when we saw that in the theater and how Alamo takes that, takes the care to like make those beautiful things that run before the movie. And here's Japanese, here's Japanese Spider-Man. Yeah which is bananas. There's a whole special on that on Disney. Here's Japanese Spider-Man or like here's like uh, stuff with Luke Skywalker or rather Mark Hamill from the 70s mm-hmm. with his eyeliner mm-hmm. like, you know, um, before, uh, uh, you know, Rise of Skywalker or whatever. Um, I don't know. I mean, think about, take, take the, for example, God, we got to talk about your topic. Grocery stores, not big money makers, right? The way they make, what do they say? When you go to, if you want to be healthy, just shop on the perimeter of the store and avoid the middle of the store. The perim- perimeter of the store has all the things that you should focus on to be a healthy person, but it's the stuff in the middle that they make money off of. It's the stuff in the middle, like where they can sell gift cards, like all of those things. Think about the square footage that goes into a goddamn grocery store. It's crazy. Okay, now how about this? Cinema. Cinema in a mall. Mm-hmm. Like imagine what that rent costs. I used to work for, well, we called it a website, but it was really, the, web- the website was the... Um, was the was the sizzle, but the publishing company was the stake. And so basically we had a printing press and it was making money when it ran and not making money when it didn't run. And that's movie theaters, that's grocery stores, that's all those things. How are we going to have, Dan, in the year of our Lord 2021 and going forward, how are we going to have so many sporting goods stores? 
that are like the size of a stadium. They're huge. How is that, how is that sustainable in the future? It's not. It's just all these things that require like huge amounts of square footage. And so, yeah, there's a reason there that that place is turning into a Whole Foods because Whole Foods makes more money than, the, than, you know, than probably like Ralph's or whatever. Anyway, this is, you know, this, this may actually lead into your topic, which I was thinking about a bit last night mm-hmm. um, while I was watching TV. Is it like, you know, to be a fulfilled and, and happy person, one must keep evolving and one one must stay focused on like the things that make one happy, but also evolving into new things. And like, if you keep going like, ma, why isn't the movie theater like 1975 anymore? Where's Warren Beatty? Like, you're not going to be a happy person. No. The question is, Warren Beatty's still there. He's, he's where we left him. <laughs> he's he's wherever we spot. left him. That's what I would say to my kid. It's wherever you left it. Has anybody seen Warren Beatty? I don't know, honey. We're just seeing him last. I guess at the Oscars with Faye Dunaway. That was not their fault. <clears throat> Need to sleep. Dan, what's going on? What's going on in your neck of the woods? Oh, did you have another thing to tell me about, or you want to tell me about your topic first? Oh, let me tell you about this other thing. It's called uh, it's called NetSuite. Woo! NetSuite. So here's the way it works. If you're a business owner, um, you know, you, running a business is tough, right? I mean, we all we all know that. And in a way, Merlin, I would even say you're a, a small business owner in a way. You're, you're a business I'm of, so, of I don't one. really have a business, but I am small. <laughs> well, the, the concept... NetSuite is suggesting is that you might be making it harder on yourself than necessary. Uh, things like QuickBooks and spreadsheets, I've used these, and they they do tend to slow you down. There is an upgrade, and it is it is called NetSuite. And the goal here is for you to stop paying multiple systems that aren't giving you the information that you need when you need it. So they're saying, hey, just ditch the spreadsheets, ditch all the old software that you've probably already outgrown. NetSuite, you've heard of Oracle, right? This is the world's number one cloud business system, NetSuite. It gives you the visibility and the control over your financials, over your HR, over your inventory, e-commerce, and more. It's everything that you need, but it's all in one place and you get it instantaneously. That's what makes NetSuite so cool. Uh, whether you're doing a million dollars or hundreds of million dollars in revenue, you're going to save a lot of time and a lot of money with NetSuite. There's over 24,000 companies using it right now. So let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business. They have free, you can go sign in and get a product towards awesome at NetSuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E, NetSuite.com slash back to work. Go there, schedule your product tour, NetSuite.com slash back to work. And, uh, and this is really cool. Now, if, if you're thinking, maybe I don't understand how this would help my business, or I don't understand what it is, and you want to learn more about it, again, that's the place to go. You get all the answers right there. It really is a powerful, powerful tool that I have used and really, really is cool. So again, netsuite.com slash back to work. Go check them out. Thanks very much to them for making this show possible. Thanks, NetSuite. Bok, bok. So my topic. Oh, I didn't quite hit the falsetto, did I? Bok, bok. It sounds weird when I do it like that. I like it. Buck, buck. Um, I saw this, someone tweeted this image, and I don't, I don't know who it was because it was a retweet of a retweet of a, of a retweet. But what this is, is this is a photograph, and it is a photograph of a note that is being held by a woman who, uh, I guess, lives in a city somewhere, in an, perhaps in an apartment, I'm guessing, or a condo. And uh, I'll just read the context of the email, but I wanted to, or of the of the note. But I wanted to talk about how this is perfect on so many levels, both as a way to apologize 
forewarn and persuade all at one time. And whoever wrote this. That's a tough, that's a tough needle to thread. I know. Listen, so I'll just read it. Yeah. Hello, neighbors. Apartment 207 here. I regret to inform you that we have begun sleep training our son. After many sleepless nights, thanks to the dreaded four-month sleep regression, we have decided it is time to start the cry it out method. If you hear the cries, please pray for me and know I am also crying and going insane. I'm very sorry for any inconvenience this may cause you. Let's hope that it doesn't last long. I'm starting today and going to try for a strong three to four days. If he doesn't get with the program, I will give it a week or two break and try again. Please know that I am not neglecting him, but I will let him try to self-soothe for 45 to 60 minutes at a time during this period. I will, be okay. I will be in the room every 5 to 10 minutes to reassure him he is not alone and is okay. If you start to feel hatred towards us, just give a friendly knock on the door and I will bring you a shot of tequila to mend our neighborship. It's cheap tequila, but it will calm your nerves. It's been tested and proven to work by yours truly. Anyhow, keep us in your prayers and turn the TV volume up. If you need milk, sugar, or eggs, we have some. And tequila, too, just swing by. Your tired and sorry neighbors, the wards. How great is that? I don't, I don't know if this is real, but boy, is that ever good. I hope that it's real because if it is real, it means that there are still conscientious people left in this world. Um, I'm going to convince myself. I believe, Merlin, it is real. I'm going to say that it is real because it has to be real. And here's, what Ted Lasso says, you know, believe. Believe. Uh, will it? And, and if you've been no through dream. this, you know, oh my God, it's so true. It's, I mean, like at best, it's really loud and annoying. And at near worst, well, I'm sure it's not worst. Let's not get dark. Uh, it's so painful. Sitting on the floor outside the room your kid is in, having to just listen, listen to them sob inconsolably. It's it's difficult to describe how much that hurts a person's heart. It's really hard. It's it sucks, but it also is. Let's be honest, super annoying to everybody who's around it. Yeah, it's horrible. And I mean, for for people who don't have kids, they probably don't really care that much about what we're talking about. And for people who, you know, maybe do have kids, I think like you're saying, they've got to know. They've got to know the I mean, pain. They may have this. just like forgotten, but like if you're like we were, we we are. I could not be happier that we were all in on what has come to be called, you know, the Doctor Sears stuff, attachment parent. Right. Like, well, the kid slept with us. He, you know, we didn't go quite as far as my friend who, like, he and his lady never put the baby down for the first like n months. But like, we were very into that, and I think we. I'm really glad we did what we did. I'm glad, you know, mostly it was my wife's decision because she had to do the heavy lifting. But, like, I'm really glad we did it. But if you have done attachment parenting and you're used to the baby sleeping in the sidecar or between you. Right. Like, the first time that you, that you the, 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 it's hard on both of you. It's very hard on both of you. Because the whole notion, if you do cry it out, and not everybody's in to cry it out, do not email me. You will be banned from the show. <laughs> but whatever it is you decide to do, the first time the kid's not sleeping, the first time the kid's not getting constant consolation from you and, like, being able to nurse on demand, for example... Because, like, boy, the first time you can't nurse on demand, when we went to South by Southwest for the first time, it was the easiest flight in the world, even though we had a baby. Because guess what? You know, have some lunch. You'll chill in a minute and fall asleep. Mm-hmm. You can't, when you can't do that anymore, when you have to, you can't soothe the way you've soothed before, it's so difficult for everybody, especially mom and baby. It sucks. Well, I'm with you in the attachment parenting Dr. Sears stuff. That's what we did and worked pretty well. But there, even if you're doing that, there's going to be that time when 
the child is not. Well, you can't be there do it when they're seventeen. Well, yes, that's like, that's you, true. You know what I mean? You need to. You, there is a point. What I was trying to say was I agree, but the the, the if you're not, I'm, I'm following up on your point of like you may not care or know what we're talking about, but like if you spend every second of every day with your kid, it's not fun for either of you when you start beginning that process of peeling things away. It sucks. It does. Well, it, what I love about this about this note is, first of all. They're obviously next door neighbors. They're aware and conscientious that what they're doing affects other people. And I, I am probably to a fault. I try to be this way. I try to always think of what, what I is what I'm, can what I'm doing affect anyone else? But I'm always thinking about this. And the reason I think about it is because my biggest pet peeve is when someone doesn't do that. In other words, people will come home and they'll, and this happened so often. I had neighbors that did this all the time. They'd come home and I, I don't know if the guy worked in construction or whatever, but his, you know, he'd get home at 530 and immediately go and take a shower. How did I know that? Because the water pressure would change in our apartment when that was happening. And also the music would be really loud. Why? Because he would turn it on in the living room so he could hear it when he was in the shower. Mm-hmm. And I, that to me is completely unthinkable. I would never in a million years, in a million years, do something like that because I would be aware that, it, that it, if I can hear it throughout my entire apartment, there's a good chance that other people who are not in my apartment can also hear it. So instead, what I might do is I might bring the little radio or the little shower speaker in and listen to it there. Because what I'm, am I inconveniencing myself a little? Well, yeah, but it, I'm the one that wants to hear the thing and I don't want anyone else to hear it because you know what? I don't ever want to hear them ever. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, it's not, I don't want to get into a situation where you say, oh, well, you know, um, I'm playing my music, so it's all right if they play theirs. No, it's not okay for me to play mine. It's also not okay for me. Well, that's just what living next door to someone. No, it doesn't have to be that way. It's not that way everywhere, Mm. and it doesn't need to be that way. And so I've always had an objection to that kind of thing. But there are certain things. Now, you know, we we can say, I don't approve of the cry it out method. You shouldn't be doing that. But that's a separate issue. This is something where, guess what? They have a child. The child's going to cry. And they're aware of that, and there's nothing that they can do about that because this is the method that they've chosen. But they're taking their time to convince or persuade the other neighbor to basically let this happen. But the way that they do it is by bringing that other person into their own little circle of awareness and saying, we know this is not going to be good, or probably, and we know this is going to cause trouble, but we're also suffering and we're not doing it in ignorance of your suffering and we're not doing it in ignorance of the fact that we've made this decision and that it will affect other people. And I remember I used to, the first house that I bought after college um, was on um, in, in downtown Orlando off Illinois Street. And the house that we had that um, was, it had kind of been kind of redone like it was an old 1940s house that had been upgraded a little bit. And there were a few other houses that the same people had come through and kind of redone them. But across the street from us were like the original old houses that had been there since the 40s and had not been redone. 
And one of them in particular was like a three-story shack that was leaning and it was horrible. It was this horrible place. And the people that lived there, they worked construction. And so every single morning when they would get picked up to go do their construction jobs, and there was a handful of them living in there, there would be this big old beat up 1970s car that would come out and it would idle and it would idle really loud and they would beep the horn beep beep and then the guys wouldn't come out right away so they just keep beeping every minute or two just really laying and this is at six in the morning because construction jobs start early and like what why wouldn't you just walk up to the door and knock on the door <laughs> there's a <clears throat> there's a racist name for that in san francisco i don't know it but i'll you know, you take you take you take a you take a, 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 a national appellation and put and prepend it to the word doorbell. <laughs> okay, well, so let's just say like call it an American doorbell. An American doorbell. Door. You know, but that was super frustrating. <laughs> and then in the mission, that's what it's called. And then the people after after work, they would stay up very very late at night, and they would play music outside, and they would have a little bonfire going. At, it just was astounding to me because it, it wasn't that they said, I almost would have respected it if they had said, hey, neighbors, screw you. We're doing it anyway. Then I would have been mm. like, well, at least they've got guts, you know? Okay, fine. They're mm. jerks, but they're being yeah, jerks. Yeah. They they're just, being transparently jerky. Yeah. It never occurred to them that what they were doing might even affect somebody else and that was the biggest pet peeve that i had it wasn't like they're saying ah screw the neighbors i'm gonna do what i want to do they just mm -hmm. never even occurred to them that we existed and it wasn't just us it was like dozens of people were bothered by this and would call the cops on them every weekend and the cops would come and say turn it down and then they would turn it down and it was so frustrating because it's like at some point don't you know that when the cops show up to ask you to turn it down, does that not tell you, oh, I guess what we're doing bothers other people and shouldn't happen? What about the second time that that happens? What about the third time? At some point, don't you realize that what you're doing affects other people and that they don't like it and maybe you should consider stopping doing it? Well, in the case of this note, they're preemptively saying, we, we know this, but like all they're addressing all of the concerns. One of the concerns mm -hmm. would be, you obviously don't care about your kid. You're just letting them cry. Well, they've addressed that. Um, you're, you're not home. You've left your kid alone. Nope, they're addressing that. You know, um, Oh, you must not care about it, must not bother you. No, no, it bothers us too. All of those things were addressed in this email or this note. And I, I just, yeah. I really appreciated it because it's, it acknowledges all of those points and also shares the fact that they themselves are struggling. They themselves are people who are going through a thing that they don't want to have to be doing. And they're also saying there's not much that we can do to help you, but hey, you want a shot of tequila? You want to get to know us? You need to yeah, borrow it's very, some it's very stuff? Humane. It's a very humane and when we talk about uh, saying it's difficult to thread that needle um, yeah. to be... To my, at least to my way of thinking, um, and as I'll probably say in a second, everybody's different. So, but like that, I did find that funny, not merely humorous. I mm -hmm. thought it was funny. I think mm -hmm. it was well done. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think it's humane. Um, but also, geez, I don't even know. We're kind of late in the show to get super into this, but 
Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's complicated. Uh, and I have a really checkered past with this kind of stuff being on both. I don't even, see, I don't even love saying both ends of this. I mean, it's, hmm, geez, I don't know. Let me put it this way. So like when I started college at my fruity liberal arts college, I mean, I, not only should I probably not have been there at all uh, in terms of merit, but I had grown as much as I was not perhaps a rich and um, uh, monetarily privileged person. Mm -hmm. I had a lot going for me. I lived in the suburbs amongst other white people and I could call the cops and never worry that it was going to result in me getting shot. Um, It meant that (laughs) if uh, as recently as a few years ago, when we had neighbors next door, we had some, um, is a, a black family that lived next door who were, really cool except when the non-teen family members were out of town and the son the teenage son would just throw a crazy rager right on the other side of the wall from where my kid was sleeping or trying to sleep mm. and like i'm i um i handled that so poorly on a few occasions what and happened? I, I didn't realize it at the time and i realize i handled it very poorly now and i'm um, ashamed of how I handled it, which was I, I did the best I could to just go over and say, "Hey, can you guys, you know, get a baby over here?" But it was the, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say saying this is right. It was crummy of me to do this. Um, but at one point, she was sick. She was real sick. She had a runny nose, and she couldn't sleep. And the walls were rattling with loud music. And like I did call the cops, and the cops came, and the cops broke it up. And then I, I, you know, I. Even at the time, I was a little bit ashamed, but like I really wanted my kid to be able to sleep, and I felt like I was a little bit on the horns of a dilemma. I tried to like be a good neighbor, but like ultimately, what did it come down to? It came down to something was happening that I didn't want to be happening, and I pulled a trump card to make it stop because I thought I was allowed to do that. And the thing why is, feel, before, why do you feel like you handled that poorly? I would think there are people who would think you handled it pretty. I would reasonably. be very reluctant to call the cops even near a black person today in a way that I wouldn't have given it a second thought a few years ago. Now, was I being like overtly racist? I don't think so. Um, because I w- if any teenager causing a party to make the wall rattle, but you know, who knows? That might be Monday morning quarterbacking. The problem is, I think one angle, there's a lot of problems to this kind of situation. We do have to live with other people, but like, I think a lot of times when we try to figure out the ethics or the morals of this, we can't help but keep coming back to how we want the situation to go and how we would handle it. And the, 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 that's not bad because that's the ultimate sort of like the golden rule, right? Like treat others the way that you would want to be treated. And in your case, Dan, I think you're being very cool about saying like, well, you'll never know how much I try not to annoy you. If I'm doing my job, you will never notice how much there are things that I don't do that I could do. Like mm-hmm. I could play my music loud for retaliation, but I don't because like I'm a good person. So like, why do you do that? Right. And like, I don't have an answer to that because that is, that is the nature of living with other people in America mm-hmm. is that like, you're going to, you have to deal with stuff like that. So when I talk about going to school, 1986, like I was so used to making things, I did not consider myself a very powerful person, but I was going to school with kids who were from Manhattan. I was going to school with kids who were from Miami, whatever. It was really pretty wide range of people from different places and people's tolerance for dealing with other people, like when you're 18, it's amazing how different your tolerance is. 
Like if you're a straight A student, not to do a stereotype here, but like if you're a straight A student who's always had like the ability to control like your environment and have complete silence while you get straight A's, like it's very disruptive to have people screaming randomly like yes. at three or four in the morning. And then of course you've your entire life you've grown up being told the most important thing in the world is for you to like you know get your good sleep and get your good grades and be a good girl and do all the good things and like and you know you are empowered to tag us your family to help you stop whatever's getting in your way from your your ultimate success in the world well now you're being forced to like in some cases you're next door maybe you're just near a party but could be next door or like the really like maybe somebody in your quad or whatever it's called, like maybe somebody in your suite, right? There could be your roommate that's having those parties yeah, or is having intercourse all the time. And it's like, well, your, your whole life you've been raised to believe you have, your remit is that you stop other people from doing things that prevent your success, AKA the things that annoy you. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's very difficult. And again, I think it's important because our, our impulse is always to go, yeah, but I'm good at that. Why can't you be good at that? And the trouble is like, well, we all come at this from such different angles. I think it's it's so difficult to guess why people do things you don't like. And like I don't I don't know what the answer to that is. Um because you certainly, I mean if 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 you go in, but then part of the problem is you go in and you try something like persuasion. Like I go and talk to the teen and I say, "Hey teen, in the daylight hours, hey, how's it going? Uh yeah, that party was pretty crazy last night. Is that something you think you might want to do less of?" you know, Mm -hmm. with the implicit threat that I'll either call the cops or tell his parents. Now, I'm not saying that there's a right and wrong way to handle that because everybody's different, but I do think it's, I do think it's complicated. Um, And I'm always reminded for some reason, I don't know why I'm thinking of this. I'm reminded of that time and I've told this story before, but when I had my dot-com job and I had the best boss in the world and I, I would, you know, I was getting really frustrated. This job was crazy. It was very stressful I was paid well at this job. You know, I wouldn't have moved to California if it hadn't paid me well. Right, sure. But I would still add up, what would I do? I was on monster.com all the time, looking up web producer, looking up senior web producer, looking up web director, and spinning these elaborate ideas in my head about how I should be seeing Montgomery Burns of web. <laughs> and and I in the, in the like declining days, the last days of Rome at the dot-com, I would be going to my boss and talking about how I think I should get a raise into this and that. The nicest, most supportive, helpful boss in the world. I know you've heard this story. And I'd be like, I would actually go up to Giles and I would say horrible stuff like, you know, man, uh, I think you really need me right now. And, uh, you know, I could really, monster.com says I could go earn uh, $25,000 more a year if, you know if I were a different human being with entirely different skills um you know so maybe you know uh, I should uh you know be very loyal to you by staying saying here and he was so patient with me he was so cool with me he did get me like an, a promotion at one point that I probably didn't deserve but like I kept doing that over and over every time I got stressed out what would I do I would look for assurance I would look for assurance from authority figures that could tell me that I'm right to feel that I way that I do and that it's okay for me to conduct myself the way I'm conducting myself. And in a, in, a, in a line that has become very famous in my life, in a fit of peak when Giles could no longer be the patient father that he was being with me, he said, Merlin, I cannot afford your loyalty right now. Mm. He wasn't talking about money. He was talking about, he had his own stuff to do. Your boss has a job, right? Right, And your boss's job is not just to be your your mom and dad. Your boss has a job. And so he finally had to draw a line with me to say, I can't afford your loyalty right now. Not in terms of money. 
Um, although that certainly was a factor, but more in terms of like, you need to go take care of your thing and like not, not be trying to emotionally blackmail me into fixing your world and providing you assurance I am in no position to assure you about. So like you can be on the team and help us get this done, or you can be on another team and get their thing done. But like, I cannot hold your dick for your whole career. You need to go take care of this, or you need to find a way to live with this. It's not related to this anecdote or this letter, but I do think about that sometimes. Because, like, I'm always looking for assurances. I always want to be told that, like, the way that I feel is the sensible way to feel. That, that other people are the way they are because, I don't know, they're not as good at it. I don't, I don't know what the answer is. And so, but, I mean, sometimes it is ab- absolutely unresolvable, but this letter is a model of one way to handle it. But while we're here and making this, while we're, as they say in academia, problematizing this, will this letter fix everything for everybody? Absolutely not. The person did their best shot, but they're also not being too sweaty and thirsty about it, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not sending one of these, okay, guys, here's the latest update on what's happening with our baby. As you've probably heard, biddy, boop, boop, boop. They're putting it out there, and I think something implicit in this is, like, this is me doing what I can to t- explain what's going on, you know, because, you know, isn't it funny that, you're, that one, one's own baby crying is annoying while another person's baby is insufferable? And then once I had a kid, like, being on a flight with a crying baby was such a different experience oh, yeah. for me. Yeah. It just, it's not that it didn't bother me, but I was no longer that guy. Oh, let's go right back. Let's go back to Merlin's greatest hits of being a horrible person, which is the whole, like, hey, look, I paid for this business class seat. And I didn't. My boss paid for it. I paid for this business class seat. How dare I be able to hear your infant who's going through excruciating ear pain right now, maybe teething. I don't know. But the thing is, you're making this flight unpleasant for me. I would like to watch this Radiohead documentary that I bought to watch on my new power book. And you're making it very difficult. The batteries can be switched out for optical drives. It's a very expensive (laughs) computer. I can't watch my Radiohead movie while your baby is, I guess, being sad or whatever. And so you turn around and give him this face. You know? Ugh, I was the worst. I was just, I you know, was it's, it's kind of like a lot of the time if I watch a movie now compared to one that I, if I maybe haven't seen it for a while, the characters that I associate with are now the ones that seemed old in the first time around. Oh, hundred percent. And the women go, that go back I think, and watch taking a Pelham one, two, three. And the women that I think are hot <laughs> are now like the moms. Yeah, and, for sure. You know, and like, it's, it, you know, and of course the moms are 30 years old in the movies, but what, you know what I'm saying? It's not like, like t- Terry Gar, Terry Gar, like who was probably in their twenties in like young Frankenstein. Right. Like, wow. She's like, what? <laughs> oh my God. And like yeah. when I was a kid, what? that's a perfect example. She seems so old she, compared she to like, like some <laughs> like old woman, like who, yes, you know, absolutely. And, and, uh, and, and now I'm like, whoa, well, she's probably too young for me. You know, that's basically the thinking that I have now. And well, unless you're doing that sort of Steve Martin, Harrison Ford thing where you keep getting older and older and older, but they keep casting you alongside women who are (laughs) young enough to be your (laughs) biological child. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, you know, like like another one that. um, Well, anyway, I'm just as I'm going through these like movies with my boy. I'm watching them and I'm feeling like completely different about which characters I associate with. And like 
I feel like that's almost like what you're saying right now is that like being on the plane oh, as a parent, I see, yes. you feel a completely different, you might feel sympathy for the parent. You might feel bad for the kid. Whereas before you were just, just there's one emotion, hating the kid or maybe hating oh, the there's parent. One, there's one emotion because there's one, there's one person and that's me. Like if, <laughs> right. if, if we're fortunate and if we grow, yes. we become, once we achieve object permanence and whatnot, we are in a better position to say like oh it might be something as basic as i remember how it feels to have that happen that's no that's no good but i i, I mean I've, I've said this before but like it, it was really profound to me to have this the most basic kind of boneheaded human realization that it should not have taken me 40 years to realize i mean you know what i say you know i always like to say dan like i get it but i didn't get get it mm-hmm. like i know it but i don't know no know it so like I under yeah I understand how family relationships work, Dad. I understand that there's like a the you know a mother and father have a you know man and a woman have a little baby. I understand how that operates, and then eventually someday you know circle of life maybe they have kids who knows. But like there was something really profound, and I I, I for some reason in my head I want to place it around the time of Toy Story three, but it must have happened earlier than that. But it was the, the profundity of realizing all the different roles that the people in my life have had. And so like, you know, and this is the ultimate kind of corny hallmark thing, but like somebody who's a really old person, like maybe a very, very old person used to be a very young person. And they would look at people who were very, very old people. Like nothing has really changed Mm -hmm. in all of those sorts of things on a macro level. There's always been old people that used to be young and young people who God willing will get to be old. That's thus has it always been. Right. And so that's, there's nothing, nothing very particularly profound about that, but like, because I've had my head so far up my own ass for my whole adult life, having a child be born that I had some role in and being there for that. Well, you know, like they say, your problem sucks, but my problem's real because it's mine. Mm -hmm. Well, your baby's cute, but my baby's amazing because I had a very small six minute role in producing it. (laughs) And like, and so, but like in that moment, or in one of those moments when you're, when one is very vulnerable, it really lands on you where it's like, it's so embarrassing to say this, but like, oh my God, this must be a little bit what it was like, what my dad felt. Yeah. Oh my God. This like, but like what it felt like when he was kind of me, like it's mm-hmm. very like predestination in mm-hmm. some ways, like, like, and then, but hang on a minute, let's pull back one more level. My dad realizing this in 66 or 67, like he had the same thought. Right. He goes, oh, this is what my dad must have felt like in 29 and 30, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, that really lands on you. And then you go like, wow, I wonder if my kid will ever have that realization in like, you know, 2040 or whatever. Right. Anyway, it's just, it's so strange because like it's the most obvious thing in the world, but it really lands on you. But it also, I think, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not saying that necessarily, okay, here's what I will allow me, what I will allow myself in my dumb head up my ass problems is that I think it did make me just slightly more like, oh, yeah, it's the same, but it's different, but it's the same, but, it, but it's different because we all have these roles that we go through in life, but you're actually all of them. You always have been all of them in some ways. I, I don't mean this to sound as mystical as it sounds, but like combining that with four years of liberal arts school I'm a mess. I'm like forever like uh, when those when those sorts of influences build up for me like um 
I can intellectualize almost anything, but I can also find some empathy for almost everybody. And like, it doesn't make it easier. But, you know, again, we're back to that, that line from Rules of the Game, you know, the terrible thing in life is that every man has his reasons. It's so difficult to know. And also, Dan, I'm going to curse one more time. Some people are assholes. It's, it's so, there are people who just are, I think the phrase they use is griefers. They're mm. just, now we say trolls when we're talking about online stuff, but what yeah. is a griefer? Well, my understanding of a griefer is it's somebody that just comes in and wrecks your stuff yes. just because they feel like it. Yes. It's not even, it's just, is it a power move? I don't know. No, they're griefers. They grieve, I'm, I'm a griefer, I grief. That's what I do. And like, there's just people who are like that and it's, it's difficult to reason with them because even being approached about something that they do is a priori going to cause pushback and more grief because that's what a griefer does. I don't know what you do in a situation like that. I guess you call the cops or you move. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't know, but I do try, I try to find access to that part of me that has been on a plane before I had a kid and after I had a kid. And it's not like I'm fundamentally different, but I know, I know I'm going to side with the, uh, with the egg and not the wall anymore. Like when I'm on that flight, I'm pulling, Scott Simpson has a great uh, short anecdote about being on a flight with uh, the actress Mariska Hargitay, whose baby was uh, flipping out and pretty much everybody in the plane is mad. But you know, Scott's a dad and he likes her from the law and order and he looks at her and he kind of gives her this face. Hmm. Yeah. And she looks at him and goes, hmm. And like they had this little, like, you know, not a moment moment, but like a like, yeah, I've been there. It sucks. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now when I, when I am in public and a baby's crying, it's all I can do not to say, um, I could carry your baby around for you. If I could smell its head, I could just carry the baby around. <laughs> yeah. And I, but I we've ex- all been all those people and the, you know, there's, there's probably a name for this, the greater asshole theory. There's always somebody who's just going to be more terrible. There's always somebody who's going to get stomped on by trying to be decent I don't, I don't, I, I wish there were an easier answer, but the impulse in me to try to find the resolution to this does often make me think that I've been pretty lucky all along to not have had this more often. The fact that I'm so ill-suited to deal with this kind of confrontation is a clue to me that either I haven't had much of that in the past or I haven't handled it particularly well. And that's where when I'm doing this long expository bit with you, it's not to say anything about you, your neighbor, or the people who wrote this note, the lady with the nails holding it. Like, none of that. It's just more to say, like, I find this insoluble. Like, I, I mm. don't know what the solution to this is, but I try to find some lesson in it about myself once I can get past the extreme emotion of, like, I want to shoot this person. <laughs> Why are you making my life hell right now? Right. Hmm. We've lived upstairs. We've lived downstairs. We've been, and like, you know, I mean, like, how can I put this? Let's just say that in life, sometimes one lives on the bottom floor and some, sometimes one lives on the top floor. And a funny thing happens. If one were to, for the sake of argument, move from the bottom floor to the top floor, mm-hmm. you realize a shocking thing, which is, and this is a true story, um, that you've been downstairs and all you hear is the cacophony and clamor of the worst people in the world who are making your life hell upstairs deliberately making all of the noise in the world. And you ask them, you say, look, please, can you please be quiet? I try to be quiet for you. Could you please be quiet for me? And they say, well, yeah, I mean, like we have been trying to be quiet. Like we take off our shoes and blah, blah, blah. blah. And you're like, oh, God. 
you're the worst. I'm going to get back at you. And let's say for the sake of argument, someone in one's family, after that family has moved out, goes upstairs to inspect the place one is going to move into. And you hear the loudest walking you have ever heard in your life. Because there, someone is upstairs now, but oh my God, that person in my family that's a very slight person makes that much noise walking around. And you know what you realize? I'm the asshole. Right. For five years, those people were being as quiet as they mm-hmm. can be. Mm-hmm. And I am the asshole. And so then when somebody else moves in downstairs, like, what do you say? What do you say? Well, come up and do a demo. You walk around and somebody stay downstairs and you listen, you record and you remember, like, we're trying hard and we bought carpeting just for this purpose and we take off our shoes. Well, maybe they can afford your loyalty and maybe they can't afford your loyalty. But like, sometimes people are trying and you never know it. Sometimes it's Dan that's trying and they don't know him. Sometimes it's the guy with the shower boy with the loud stare in the living room. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. I wish I was neighbors with more people who write notes like this through my life. And I wish I were the person that wrote this note more times in my life. Yeah. That's, that's my take home of this. Mm-hmm. Is we, could, we can all do better. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you, uh, what do you, what do you, what do you do in a situation like that now? Like, what is it that gets you to where you feel like, put it however you want, but what gets you to the point where you feel like you have to say something in a situation like this? How do you know it's time you've, you've, you've been patient, you've been, uh, you know, gracious and, and this mountain is covered as wool with wolves. Anyway, so how do you know when it's time to go talk to somebody about something? Like, let's say you hadn't gotten this note. And okay, okay, let's say everything that they are trying to preemptively ameliorate in this note happens. You, you're annoyed by a kid screaming without knowing why. Mm-hmm. You're worried the kid is perhaps abused. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how do you handle something like that in the absence of a note like this? Mm, I mean, it's, it's hard with a crying child. I think that's a tougher situation. But, you know, like, okay, here's an example. My current next-door neighbor... Um, he at one point I got he must have gone out of town and he's got two sons, one of whom has since I think moved out and gone to college, and the other one who was maybe in the, like sixteen. So when 17. they moved in, he was a teen, a teen boy. Yeah, and the younger like the when they moved in, the younger one was in middle school and the older one was about to finish high school, and so now the older one that finished high school has gone away, and the other one's in high school, and he was sixteen or seventeen, and they had a. A party that wasn't outrageous at all. It wasn't very loud at all, but there was music and you could hear them talking. And, you know, I evaluated this because in my opinion, and I need to, I'm very much aware that I need to table what I think is right because other people don't have the same set of values and respectful, considerate philosophies that I have. And again, my Or sometimes they don't know. Sometimes people don't know. Well, right. Or Isn't they that fair just, to say? Yeah, or they just don't think about it. I but don't think if, people always don't care. I mean, it isn't necessarily always true that if one is annoyed, it's because someone's trying to annoy you. No, I, and I'm, I'm very I think much... it's usually the opposite. Yeah, I agree. And so the, the party that they had, you know, if, if, for example, if you're playing music in the house and you want to hear it when you're drinking and smoking out in the backyard... And in order to hear it out there, you have to open the door. So when you go out there to smoke and drink for a little while, every 15 or 20 minutes, that you open the door so that you can hear the music, it should occur to you that other people could also hear the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, in my opinion, 
and again, this is something that, that I think most people wouldn't share, but my opinion is that should never happen. You should never. You should basically, it should stop. It should stop. You know, like they say, your rights stop at the end of my nose. Right? Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Like you, you should, whatever it is you want to do, do whatever you want, but it like shouldn't leak out into the rest of the world, let alone my part of the world. Co- right? Correct. And so mm-hmm. it, you should, you should never play music loud enough that someone else can hear it. And you should never talk loud enough outside at, you know, two in the morning that someone else could hear it. These are just things that should not happen, period. But I'm aware of the fact that not everyone agrees with that. So this was the first time that it had ever happened. Um, would I have been within rights to say there it's late at night and there's a noise disturbance? The police would have been thrilled, I think, to come out on a boring Saturday night in the neighborhood that I live in and tell these kids to STFU. But I thought, you know what? It's one time. It's not like it's ever happened before. So let's see what happens. And you know what? Knock wood, Mm -hmm. it never happened again. So I felt good about the fact that I said, you know what? They're going to do this thing. They're going to do it one time. No big deal. Yeah. Now, if it had ever, if it ever does happen a second time or ever would happen a second time, then I would have absolutely no hesitation whatsoever calling and saying, there is a noise disturbance here. Please come out and do it because they had their fun once. And now they need to know that it's a problem. It hasn't Mm -hmm. happened. I'm thinking maybe it won't happen. I'm hopeful it doesn't happen. But now that it has happened, like they had their fun the one time, they don't need to be doing that ever, ever again. Um, But I also have, there was one time, it was in the afternoon, and I walked, uh, I was walking from my truck and uh, taking something around to the side of the house. And I smelled the unmistakable smell of weed being burned. And I looked from where I was standing, I could kind of see over the fence. And I saw that he and his buddy were sitting out back smoking weed, which is something that I approve of. I have no problem with that. I think, I think we should have better laws, but as long as they're not getting it from a gas station, but, but they're too young to be doing that. I know they're, they're not old enough to be doing that based on what the laws are in the legal states. You should have to be 21 to do it. They're not 21 to do it. But did it bother me? Am I a tattletale? Should I do anything about it? Absolutely not, because that's not Mm -hmm. my business. And the only way that it was affecting me was I could smell it. And it doesn't smell bad, Merlin. So Mm -hmm. I don't care about that. But... It, because it wasn't affecting me. So I want to be clear. I'm not policing people in what I think they should be doing. It's only mm-hmm. if it bothers or affects others, not just me, but others. And so I think it's a judgment call every single time. You know, yeah. if, if, you, if you live next door to somebody who every single day when they get home from work, they play their music really loud and you can hear it and it legitimately bothers you. And here's the other thing. I and this is again I'm the only person in the world that feels this way but even if it doesn't bother you there's the principle and this mm. is where I get caught up in my own head about things is the principle is they're the doing principle, something but also in some ways are you saying the precedent in some ways it seems like yeah. part of what you're trying to say yeah. also which I think I understand is like well you did this this one time and that's your freebie but like I don't I want you to understand that this this um can't become a regular thing mm-hmm. so like this is your yellow card, sort of, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in, in, we should never 
if people were conscientious the way and see here's the other thing merlin it's not hard for me to not play music that my neighbors can hear that's not hard to do it's not mm-hmm. hard to do and now if if like you're saying that walking around upstairs just simply walking as quietly as you can is bothering someone else there is nothing that you can do about that but i have managed to live my whole life without ever playing music in such a way that it bothered someone. Now you can say, well, how do you know that? What if the next door neighbor was hearing it and just decided not to say, I'll tell you why, Mm -hmm. because I'll wear headphones. That's how, that's how self-conscious or concerned I am about bothering other people because then it doesn't bother anyone else. How? Because I'm the only one that can hear it. It can't. And people Mm -hmm. are listening saying that's a little bit over the top, dude. Sometimes you just got to be patient with your neighbors. No, you don't. Your neighbors Mm -hmm. need to be conscientious of you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's how I feel about it. And that's where Mm -hmm. I get kind of messed up when other people don't feel that way because I think it's it's the right thing to do because then then you can be beyond reproach. You seriously can be. You can say, I have never made sound that bothered you. Why do you feel that it's okay for, well, everyone does. No, Mm -hmm. no, no. Not everyone does that. <laughs> Not everyone does that. Well, it's tough. You know, you want to listen to some... No, you don't have yeah. to listen to me. I think that, this is one of the things that leads people to stuff like... I, I was going to say gated communities, but that, right. that has sort of a, a connotation that I don't mean to imply here. But yeah. like, you know, sometimes it. I think it gets really complicated when... Or like, you know, there's always been stuff like plant planned communities of all different sorts, whether that's like a commune or whether that's a co-op or all those different kinds of things. I think I think one of the things that's caused trouble for a long time in America, not trouble, but one of the things that causes uh, like necessary, understandable friction is like when you see a shift in demographics. So like, you know, like when we moved into our neighborhood, um, the suburban neighborhood that we lived in, in, in Pasco County, well, it was mostly people, again, remember, I lived in the oldest subdivision of the oldest county in the oldest state hmm. in America. That's cool. Median age in Pasco County, was in, in Colonial Hills, uh, three and four, the uh, median age was 58. Hmm. So and how old were you when people, you were there? Uh, mostly from 12 oh, okay. to, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you line up people by age and the third person's 58. There's two people who are older than that guy. <laughs> so, and like, it's one of those, like, so if you've ever seen the movie, uh, Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Um, and when they show the sort of like pastel houses, that's Eastern Pasco County. That's where I grew up. That's where I spent junior high and high school. Uh, and it wasn't quite as bananas as, you know, Winona Ryder's neighborhood. But, um, but when we arrived there, it was still the province of retirees very old couples where like everybody's lawn was cut. They all had mostly the same even style of grass. They were all cut and edged like flawlessly, Mm. like weekly. Mm -hmm. And like, if, but like the first people on your street that aren't edging the way that everybody else edges is like, it's, it's a kind of a minor scandal. Um, but like, you know, that, that, that's the beginning of a demo shift. Like, it wasn't a few too too much longer that there were people like parking on the lawn, which would have been unheard oh, of yeah. in 1980. You do not, I mean, you you don't park on a lawn in this neighborhood. It wasn't even a fancy neighborhood. The point is, these are mostly, let's be honest, these are like um, 
Italian people from um, like blue collar uh, Italian folks from usually Philadelphia, New York, Pennsylvania, who bought a house for $20,000 in the 60s and they moved into it when they retired. Like that's, I think, unless I'm way off, that's what the community was when we moved there. And by the time we moved away, it had really shifted. It was people who worked at 7-Eleven uh, you know, uh, taking care of people who also worked at 7-Eleven. It was a total service economy. It was really, really wild. But I think what's, uh, the reason I'm saying that is I think sometimes that can also be a source of the pain. And I don't want to just say it in terms of this sort of, um, you know, one family's coming up, the other one's coming down. Well, the one family's been here for a while. They own the house. It's mostly paid for. Then somebody else moves in. Maybe it's a rental even. And you're like, ugh. Like, they're not as invested in this as I am. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and, you know, maybe they're not, like involved in the homeowners association and stuff like that. But I don't know. I mean, I, th- I would like to think there's middle ground somewhere between a gated community. I don't even know if celebration exists anymore. Stuff like that um, versus like just being really the wild west. It's difficult. You know, yeah. um, it's hard to deal with other people. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm not in college anymore. Oh, I was, I was the too. worst RA. I was such a bad RA. Hmm. No, thank you. Too much responsibility. Too much responsibility. I got to go flash my badge and my piece, you know, and I got to say, turn, turn it down. Your Bob Marley is, is, is getting up in my short story collection, you know, mm-hmm. dial it down. Mm-hmm. I come out, I'd be kicking out, kicking my slippers at him. <laughs> my boxer shorts fall down. Yeah. Dan, that, that's it for our, uh, for our, 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 our sponsored visits, right? We're, uh, yeah, we're clear. We're ready to go straight into the proper part of Christmas. Is it time? Is it time to cross that? that uh, go over that transom and head into the actual Christmas season? Is it time? I think it is time. You know what I hate? I hate when people use the phrase last minute gift ideas. And I'll tell you why. (laughs) I I hate it because it it makes me feel very guilty. Because they're saying it like, you know, I know you got all your, is your shopping done? Did you finish your shopping? Like, oh, I finished my shopping in October, but I got a few, pick up a few last minute gift ideas. Well, not all of us have done all of our shopping, whatever that means. What a dumb phrase. <laughs> and then, you know, you order stuff from the company in Washington, they deliver it, and sometimes you don't realize that the thing, like you tell from the box, like what it is. So the, the big thing I got my uh, lady, she already knows what it is. That's a bummer. You want to say what it is? Oh, 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 oh. Well, it's very complicated uh, mm. because um, we, I got her a, uh, like a portable dishwasher. And I, we have very, very mixed feelings about the portable dishwasher. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, because we don't live in a, like a, a, the, the kind of house where you have a dishwasher. And we thought, you know, it's a thing we'll try. But you got to like move it around and stuff. But <laughs> yeah, but we got our new broom like we do every year. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's an ongoing gift. Uh-huh. She's, one year she said, give me a broom. And I said, if I get you a, a broom, the entire world will kill me for buying you a broom. She said, no, I want a broom. And so that became a tradition. And so now every year the, the joke kind of is like, you see something wrapped up that looks like a broom and like it's a broom. But we got we got a twist this year. She doesn't listen to this show. So she's going to get what looks like a broom, right? You get the wrapping. Mm-hmm. Thing is, it's, it's actually just a broom stick. The broom itself is actually very tiny. Like a little Japanese broom, like you would keep in your car. Oh, yes, I know those. It's going to be a twist. She's never going to see it coming. No, what a shock. She loves her brooms. That Ladies love shocks. <laughs> Ladies love their magazines. Dan, uh, happy everything to you and yours. And can I just say to our listeners, thank you for another year of uh, visiting with us here 
Um, I'm very grateful that y'all uh, have been here for this long. It's been a long time, Dan. We're coming up on, I think, 10 years. I know. I love it. I do, too. I do, too. Um, do you have any parting words for our listeners? No. Have a good uh, have a good holiday. We'll be back. Everybody, you know, don't set anything on fire unless it's supposed to be on fire. That's really my advice. And even then. And even then, you know, uh, blame your kid. Say they knock something over. Like Mrs. O'Leary's cow. Mm-hmm. I think it was actually Mrs. O'Leary. No one, no one talks about it. Mm. Okay, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Marlon, man.